Welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. Now, if you thought that we were going to be silent on the issue of all things European Super League, then you would have very much underestimated the passions of our uh, two regular guests. And of course, we've got Ray here and Colin Savage. Let's just uh, begin by introducing them. And uh, the first one we've got is uh, Presswitch Blue, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Strange week, hasn't it? Because, of course, the European Super League w- was announced last Sunday and then collapsed on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, it's left a bit of a sour taste, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. be honest. And I, I watched the game on Wednesday, but th- there was something different about it. So, anyway, we'll see how things go later today. Yeah, and we also have Ray here, our esteemed guest from the YouTube channel City Fan TV. I think that we can be pretty sure that Ray has got some passionate views about this, but let's welcome him anyway. Um, Thanks a lot, Ray, for coming on. Oh, it's always my pleasure. No better way to spend uh, Sunday morning than chatting to you guys. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, start off with Colin uh, Savage. And Colin... um, Let's go back to the genesis of the whole thing. I mean, were you sitting at home innocently uh, taking a cup of tea when all of this uh, broke out? And when it did broke Uh, out, did it surprise you in the slightest? um, Yeah, well, what I was doing, actually, I was taking my baby granddaughter for a walk to give give her mum a bit of a break to get things done. Mm -hmm. And we were out in a, well, uh, country road, country road, but country road just her and i walking along trying to get to sleep and my phone suddenly started going crazy so about um 20 half 20 minutes half an hour later when we got to the point i was aiming for i could turn and break and she was asleep um i got my phone out and of course saw the news and i was quite shocked um obviously it's not not really a surprise that something like this happened but the, um uh, and uh, the first stories were that city were thinking about it and then, of course, a bit later, it, it became clear that City were one of the six Premier League clubs involved in it. So I think, like all City fans, in a bit of a state of shock because we didn't really understand what it meant. You know, was it just a new version of the Champions League uh, or was it something completely different that would take us away from the Premier League in total? And, and the strange thing was, what, what, what we knew was, already knew was, that UEFA were planning the following day, the Monday, to sign off the new Champions League format from the 2024-25 season. That was so, weird. Uh, so, yeah, so my initial thoughts were, it's a it's a tactic, you know, it, they've used the breakaway threat before, but because they've used it so many times and it's boy who cried wolf syndrome, they've done something, you know, they've got a document together um, and they're throwing it on the table and, and they've not got their own way wholly over the Champions League changes and, you know, Everything will sort itself out on Monday. But, of course, I was wrong on that. Mm-hmm. So, Ray, um, a lot of people were shocked because uh, Manchester City and their ownership and their whole structure is really um, directed towards the fans. And, of course, they've done so much work in the east side of Manchester and they're very, very, they seem to be very, very sensitive to the desires of their fans and and hoping to um i'm not going to use the word ingratiate but perhaps um just uh just break bread with um the the common supporter 
Um, tell us where you were when you heard this and what were your initial reactions? Well, Sunday I was driving from Paris to Manchester, uh, you know, to, to, to come up back to sunny Manchester, back to the UK. So um, I was pretty tired. I mean, I'd uh, probably had about two hours sleep and then driven 500 miles. Uh, and then in, I had an early night, uh, which is really strange for me, but I was shattered. And I had some bits and pieces on 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 on, on social media or something, and I, I wasn't really thinking. I, uh, and I thought it was, it was something about a European Super League, and I thought you know cold cuts and fish and chips for for, for supper. Uh, but in, in the morning, it, it was it was social media was crazy, uh, and then I you know I kind of woke up and thought, well, this is it wasn't a dream. This is real. It's a Super League, um, and it's not. I mean, for me, it's not something um, wasn't unexpected. It really wasn't because we've been here before. We've been here with the, you know, with threats of uh, European Super League in the past. We've always what had was it called Project New Start. That was the Premier oh, yeah, League Project Big Picture. I mean, that was going to come to that. Uh, but the, right. there's two elements. We've had the, the prospects of a Super League uh, several times, you know, and it's always seems to be to threaten UEFA, as Colin said, and, and get some concessions out of them and get some more money for those. Uh, naughty big clubs and we've had only six months ago it was only six months ago we had project big picture um and you know and funnily enough man city were reluctant signers up to that as well um so we 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 know we've been there before we know city will join the party whether that's reluctantly as some people would say as a lot of fans want to believe city are reluctant to join the party but they they you can see what the what the uh, what the writing is you know, if and, and this is one of my arguments, if City were reluctant, I'm not saying they were or weren't, but you can understand if, if you're reluctant, but everybody else is doing it. If Florentino Perez, uh, the Real Madrid president, has said everybody else is involved, there's 15 clubs, and you think, wow, the big 15 in Europe are doing this. If we don't get on board, we'll get left behind and we'll never be invited to the top table, which we've been fighting for for 10 years to get to. Yes, loads of these clubs have stabbed us in the back. Some have stabbed us in the front uh, as well. But from a business point of view, the right thing to do was jump in bed uh, with with everybody, uh, with all with all these others. Um, I, I, I kind of disagree a little bit that the, the city board do everything for the fans or have them in mind. Um, I think they have financial business decisions in mind as well because developing East Manchester. Um, Improving the club and the ground and and uh, and everything else is you know financially uh, profitable. Um, being in bed with the council is if if you if you look at that stuff where they've got a lot of planning permission to build um, apartments and stuff around the city. Um, some are arguing that you know they've got favourable decisions. You know that's what happens when when you know the, the council kind of need Man City. Um, so I don't think it's a, a simple thing that they're just thinking about the fans, and, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto it later on when we'll talk about all the other clubs. Um, it's not the fans' uh, abhorrence to this idea and indignation and anger that an, an emotion that's caused these clubs to um, back out and change their mind. I, I don't think that's got much to do with it at all because we've seen in the past clubs generally don't care too much about the fans, and you know, I, and I won't go into detail, but. I will just in, in people who who um, who have uh, signed up to this will understand what I'm saying. Platinum season cards. Anybody who knows well, about that knows that the, the club are quite happy to take money from the fans um, and lead us down a path, a cul-de-sac where our money's been wasted. So 
Uh, I'll not go into the detail, but as I said, anybody who knows about right. it understands right. it. Well, I think let's go over to Colin and let's get down to brass tacks here, Colin. Uh, for 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 people that um, joined this uh, thing halfway through, they're not exactly familiar with um, the various uh, terms, stipulations, and and everything else. So, so Colin, just um, remind us all what exactly was being proposed here. Well, um, what was being proposed was um, a Super League, uh, uh, obviously, and the Super League initial um, incarnation of that involved 20 clubs, 15 of which would have been permanent members, five of which would have been invited into the competition on a seasonal basis. So based on the five best teams in Europe, in the European leagues, weren't already founder members. So, so those fi- first 15 teams, they would always be in the competition no matter what. Uh, and this is, talk a bit about the American model later, but of course, this is very much on the NFL type model, where what, once your your franchise is in the NFL, you're in. You, there's no relegation or promotion. But Colin, so, so how 15, on earth can you get Arsenal and Spurs into that 15th? I think a lot of people were <laughs> wondering about that. Well, that, that's a very good question, but uh, perhaps, well, you know, it's about the ownership. It's about the American clubs. But perhaps we'll, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. But okay. as far as I can see, the way it was structured was of all the money, of all the revenue being brought in. And I'm not even sure they negotiated with the broadcasters at this point. But the details as it stands uh, were that the 15 founder members would get 32.5% of the pot between them. Unbelievable. Okay, so then the 20 clubs, including the five invitees, would also get 32.5% of the pot. So so the, the 15 founder members are getting the 32.5% and a share of the, the, the majority share of the other 32.5%. Then there was going to be a 20% payment roughly based on the Premier League model for merit. So depending on how you did in, in the league. So it's going to be two leagues of 10, basically. And depending on how, your performance, uh, there, was, there was a merit payment. And, and the final bit, which I think was the most controversial, probably, from our point of view, which I'll touch on uh, shortly, was that there was 15% reserved on the basis of teams, I forget what the exact word, commercial awareness. Huh. So it wasn't special. I suspect it's like Facebook followers and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so obviously, the founder members of the club get two bites of that, 32.5% cherry. The, the better performing teams get the twenty percent. Get get the you know perhaps it's one percent for the top team and twenty percent for I don't know, but you know depend how they do that. The Premier League each place is worth about uh, three million, I think. So about about a sixty million gap between top and bottom of the Premier League, and of course there's also the Champions League type merit payments where you get stage payments for wins and whatever, getting through to the the, the final round. So uh, apparently the, the format would be the top. Two of each of the leagues of 10 would go straight through to the knockouts, and then the next four would play off for the other four That's places. The top three. Wasn't that the top three, Colin? The next three in each. So, yeah, so the, the four, the, the next four in each league would play off for two places. So, you'd have eight clubs in the knockout, and that would proceed like the Champions League does from the quarterfinal stage through to the final. So, so that was the basic format of, of the league, but um, so, you know, the, 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 there was a huge difference between being a founder member club and being one of the five invitees. 
And, and the other thing was what, what they were proposing apparently was a 55% cap wages and net transfers. So basically only 55% of, the, of your money, uh, of your revenue, could go on wages and transfers. Now, w- whether that includes separate commercial revenue, uh, I'm not sure how they're how they going to do that. I don't know. They haven't negotiated with the broadcasters from, from what I could see. So it all sounded like it was done in a bit of a rush. Uh, and the other part of it was there was going to be so an immediate down payment of somewhere around uh, 300 million at the top level to the founder clubs. So just an instant payout, which they could, which was called an infrastructure payout. But I suspect um, one of the reasons Spurs were so keen to get involved uh, was that they've got to find 175 million very soon to pay back a short-term loan they took out um, to cover the COVID situation because they're in huge debt, of course, from their new stadium, which they've really not been able to get financial benefit of. So, so that was the basic format of the league. But the intention was, or what the stated intention was, that clubs would be able to continue playing in their normal domestic competitions. Well, this was the question. I'm, I'm so just going to all that money as well. Just going to ask Ray. Ray, please forgive my stupefying ignorance, but um, they <laughs> you have <laughs> to do that tag, mate. Don't worry. You, ha- you have to. You have to do that many times, but. Um, uh, two points, Ray. Um, first of all, these games were uh, going to be played in midweek. That's the first thing. So I'd like to know how that would have worked. But also another thing, Mr. Mr. Agnelli, hadn't he just like the day before yeah. ratified the uh, the upgrade to the, the, the Champions League? A lot of stuff. You're right, Mike. A lot of stuff was going on in the preceding weeks where various chairmen who have got positions of uh, immense power, people like Ed Woodward, um, people like Agnelli and people uh, and, and others, they've got immense power. And so they're doing deals on behalf of, uh, I think uh, Ed Woodward's the chairman of the ECA, European Club Association or something. They're doing deals with UEFA on behalf of the clubs. But at the same time, the, the two-faced so-and-sos are doing other deals to undermine UEFA and undermine all the other clubs, not just in their own leagues. But Ray, Severin called Agnelli a, an absolute snake. What, um, what would you think about that? Uh, I, I'd say he's uh, being very polite to him because that's what they're doing. They're stabbing you in the back. They're talking to you, you know, the two-faced. They're talking to you and, and pushing through uh, the UEFA proposals that teams are, are kind of agreed on, and then they're doing their own thing as well. Um, they have no disregard for anybody except themselves. I mean, I actually read something um, a day or two ago that Barcelona and Real Madrid were going to get a 60 million euro one-off payment. I they're still in, apparently. <laughs> Sorry? They're, apparently they're still in. Yeah. Have, well, they, pulled, have they pulled out yet? Well, that's uh, 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 a choice term, uh, uh, phrase there. Uh, no, but the thing is, I think they're, they're trying to keep it going because they're broke. That's the problem. You know, Barcelona are somewhere in the region of 1.1 billion euros in debt. Real Madrid, 700 million euros in debt. They needed this. That 300 million pounds down payment was what I think Real Madrid were hoping to use that to try and get uh, two players, Mbappe and Haaland. And I think the, the, uh, Perez has come out and made some crazy interviews in the last couple of days. You know, it, it's, it's like a... A, a madman the way the way he's he's talking, um, and that, that the clubs have signed this agreement and they can't back out and they, they'll have to pay a fine and all and all this 
Um, and I think he's, I read somewhere that, you know, they're worried that this summer is when maybe Mbappe, maybe uh, Haaland are going to be up for grabs. And they can't afford them. They cannot afford them with with their perilous finances at the moment. I mean, who's to say next season whether there's going to be fans at games in Spain? Because it's it, around Europe, the problem with COVID is, is 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 lingering. It's still going on. We might have a decent number of fans in the in England at games next season. Let's hope that that happens. But in Europe, it's in a it's a much much more palace state of affairs there. So they need this money like anything. Okay, that will tide them over. That will allow them to keep splashing the cash and try to compete around Europe. Because look, Barcelona, where did they? They got knocked out at the uh, round of 16. Real Madrid are in the semi-finals, and that's it. So they they need they definitely need the money. Um, and 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 the, the chairman who you know, like Agnelli and and Ed Woodward and others, uh, yeah, they are like snakes in the grass, uh, screwing people over. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Colin, um, it really does seem uh, to the the non-expert, which I I guess most fans are, that this has really been driven by clubs who've got massive debts. Now, we know City have posted losses, but they don't have significant debts. But um, you've got um, Real Madrid, nearly a billion, uh, Barcelona, over a billion in debt. And uh, I, I just don't know why... Manchester City, who don't have those uh, financial drawbacks, uh, would have signed up for it. I mean, the argument is that, um, you know, they, they saw the way the wind was blowing and they didn't want to be left out, like FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, it, 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 I, I'm a little bit confused about why they, uh, you know, decided to get in on that, even if it was at the 11th hour and even if it was reluctantly. That's for you, Colin. Uh, yeah, well, it's a difficult question to answer. I don't know the thinking of the club. Um, but my, my initial thought, supported by one or two things I heard, was we, we'd gone in to get uh, we gone in to get out. There's a line, and if uh, anyone of a certain age who was a Genesis fan will know the line lies down on Broadway. I'll... There's a song <laughs> yeah. in that called The Carpet Crawlers. And there's a line yeah. that says, you, you've got to get in to get out. My initial yeah. thought was we've had, so many, you know, Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, the American-owned clubs have been at the forefront of the battle to do us down. No doubt about that. They have actively conspiring against us. So, so my immediate, and I think it was not illogical thought, was we've gone into this having seen the opportunity, um, making them look a fool. And that, that, you know, that may have been part of our thinking. I don't know. Apparently City have angrily denied that concept when it was put to them by some journalists. But that, that was my first thought, um, that, you know, we wouldn't be getting into bed with these people willingly. Since then, I've heard, I've heard a little bit more. Um, and I think we, while we weren't involved in the discussions on this, obviously, we were kept well out of it. We were brought in at the last minute. Now, uh, my understanding is that um, JP, the bank, JP Morgan Chase, were providing the finance. Now, they weren't providing it out of their own pockets. Um, they were using investors' money. And of course, investors want to return. And they were the guys that um, that did the leverage buyout for Manchester United, I think. Uh, they, they were, but yeah, Ed, Ed Woodward was behind it. He he worked for them. So, uh, from what I've heard, from what I gather, um, there was some concern at J.P. Morgan Chase or among some of the investors that, as Ray correctly said, all these clubs are in significant debt, and there was some concern that the financial profile of these clubs. Uh, 
was causing a problem to attracting investors. Now, uh, so JP Morgan Chase basically said to the, the group they were dealing with, however it money was, the seven or eight founders, you've got to get clubs with a better financial background in. And of course, us, uh, Chelsea, um, yeah, on the surface, they've got a, a, they're debt free. Well, actually, the holding company owes Roman Abramovich's company 1.4 billion. But anyway, That's us, but obviously, we've got sound financial backing. We don't have any debt. Um, so they had to go to us. It, it may have been a condition of them getting the finance that they had to include us. And so they approached us, I, I gather, very late in the day, Friday, possibly. Um, I, I, and the plan was to go live on Sunday anyway. That, that's, what, again, what I've heard. So Sunday evening, ready to catch the Monday papers, that this plan would have been formally launched by the, the founder clubs. Uh, so so they approached us in Chelsea, I think maybe Atletico, quite late on in the day. And they pitched to us about what this could mean financially. And I assume that pitch included, well, you won't have to leave the Premier League. You know, this is basically replacing the Champions League midweek, that, that sort of stuff. So champions yeah if 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 we win the champions league for example we might get 100 million out of it something the super league were virtually guaranteed or we were told we were guaranteed i don't know 250 million 300 million just for taking part maybe not that number but big number just for taking part we don't even have to win it so we the pound signs up in city's eye what calculation i do not know i i, I don't know whether it was to get back at uefa even then, UEFA's a bit of a strange target because UEFA's, as we've always said, the problems with UEFA have come from the clubs, not the secretariat. I think Alexander Sheffrin's very much on our side. Anyway, so so we we and Chelsea then signed um, a letter of intent to go ahead. And for what I gather, the other clubs had actually signed the contract. Now, I, I suspect that when, once we'd signed the letter of intent, we saw the contract. And what we saw in that contract, we didn't like. So I suspect, from, from, from the little I've heard, there are things about governance. So who has the say in decisions? Governance and control. There were things about the split of the money. So there may have been 15 founder members, but like George Orwell's Animal Farm, some founder members were more equal than others. And mm -hmm. the story I've heard is once we became aware of that, we then got cold feet because we, a bit dramatic, but possibly we sensed a trap. You know, they could get us in for a couple of years, make huge changes to this, and then we're basically stuck with it. Uh, but very much on the wrong, uh, very much on the wrong terms. And of course, if you think about this um, maximum percentage salary cap, the less money you get, the less you can spend on wages and transfers. The more money you get, the more you can spend on wages and transfers. So from what I've heard, we, we suspected a trap. And again, from what I've heard, uh, and this kind of worries me the most, really. If we've gone in as an equal, you know, each club having a vote, uh, an equal vote, each club having access to the same financial terms and conditions, we would have signed that contract. And the Super League would be a fact. Now, it was only, from what I gather, it was only the fact that we weren't, didn't think we were going to be an equal partner. That's the reason we pulled out. Um, I've just got, a, just got a quick question for Ray. Ray, is it your understanding that while the other people who had signed up for the main agreement are subject to those accusations by Florentino Perez that they're locked in, they can't get out, that City and, and teams like City and Chelsea had only signed a heads of agreement 
that is non-legally binding. Is that your understanding? Uh, well, I, I mean, that's what it seems to be from what Colin's saying and other bits and pieces we see. You might have uh, heard about it, it, that the other club and, and look at the the nature of the clubs that were involved. Yeah, look at the other clubs. You had the three Italian clubs. You know, they've been struggling for donkey's years. They seem like not won their league title since 2011. Inter since 2010, I think. Um, you know, the, the uh, I don't even know the standings at the moment, but Juventus are fourth in in the Serie A. They're nice, always much you can get it. Yeah, but they're always always struggling for money. You know, struggling to compete at the at the top level. Okay, they want to go back to their past glories. You got the Spanish, the two big in, uh, clubs in Spain, as we've discussed, massively in debt. You've got the three American owned clubs in in England, in Arsenal in United and Liverpool, you kind of expect that. You know, we're not making a, a, a complete sweeping generalisation about American owners, but that's the way they, they do things in the States. So straight away, you've got eight clubs there. And so this kind of all sounds uh, legitimate and, and Spurs are, you know, a begging cap in hand uh, anywhere they can get money. So they'll jump on board. So I think, yeah, it's it sounds feasible that you've got eight or nine clubs, let's say eight, who are really going for this. And, once they've all agreed everything, and I think they'll be the main benefactors, they'll get the extra slight bit of money. Like I said, you know, supposedly um, Barcelona and Real Madrid were going to get an extra 60 million euros out of this above everybody else. Once you've got them, you've got, I think, enough um, solidity there to go to the other clubs and, and then bring them on board at a less, lesser level. Because, as I said before, if you've got City looking at this from the outside, if Florentina Perez has gone to... Um, you know the 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 uh, not Sheikh Mansour, uh, Calvin Mubarak and said, "Look, we've got fourteen other clubs. We've got fourteen clubs, you know, or whatever. We've got the, all the big clubs." And there is that fear of missing that because you think, "Hang on, if you've got all the big clubs in Europe, yeah, and we're on the outside, then if that really takes off, which it could well do, if you've got all the for, all the fourteen big clubs in Europe, and we're on the outside, and our we're left in the Premier League, and that's all we've got because this new and, and the the new uh, UEFA Champions League will have none of the big clubs, so you'll not get the same level of sponsorship and TV money. You know, you can see yourself swirling around the plug hole because your domestic competition is going to suffer, your your UEFA competition is going to suffer, and all these other clubs are going to surge ahead. And you can see, and if if I'm a top level footballer. And I'm at Man City, for instance, and there's a new Super League with 14 of the biggest clubs in, in Europe. They're all the big clubs, and I'm not there. And let's say they're paying a bit more money in salary as well, and the big competition's there. It's like you get players right now who, if your team doesn't qualify for Europe, they want to leave. They want that Champions League. They want to play at the top level. So City players could actually leave as well because, hey, we want to play at the top level. And you might be back in that situation that we were when Shipmanswood took over, that you have to pay players more than they're worth just to get them to play for you. Uh, like Chinese clubs pay players to go over to China. They're not going there for the to play in the, uh, you know, uh, in the top games. They're going there for the money, and City would have had to do the same. But as I said, you can see us, it's a swirling down the plug hole effect that the money's going to start to diminish, and the other side, their money's going up. And, you know, City is a business model. It, it could uh, pretty much cease to exist you know, um, in in in, a, in three or four years' time, so it's, there's a lot there's a lot to to consider there. So th that's why I think one of the reasons why you have as a business you have to 
con- consider that option that you have to you have to get in bed with the people you don't like simply just to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin, let me tax you home on this point. Um, obviously, uh, the whole thing went nuclear on Twitter. There was a lot of um, uh, I would venture sort of hysterical um, uh, reactions, and that all seemed to be focused on the non-competitive nature of the proposed league. But I don't know if you felt like I did when you saw all of that, and of course that was true, they were sort of sort of missing the point, missing the bigger point at, 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 at a certain level. What did you think? Uh, and what, 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 sorry, I don't, don't understand. The, well, they, 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 the, the, the Twitter reaction from fans and, and uh, various supporter groups their objection was based around the fact that this is going to be a non-competitive league. You've got 15 teams grandfathered in that can't be relegated. And obviously that, that's, that's true and that's very, very unfair. But the, I, I think to a certain degree they were kind of missing the point. Although that was an effect, um, I think that, uh, the skullduggery went at a higher level than just that in terms of um, basically bringing in teams that were failures. Uh, you know, as Ray pointed out, like failures for years and years and years uh, being able to get in there. It was not quite so much that it was um, um, a situation where people can't get relegated, but just just even the, the the names of the teams that were to be included in that 15. Well, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. But I think as fans, we like competitive football. You know, we, we watched that Leeds game uh, a couple of weekends ago. and uh, or, uh, Was it last week? I can't, last weekend, I can't remember. And um, that's the nature of football, isn't it? The Premier League, as much as it, you know, kills us. We like the competitive nature that there are there are real winners and losers. You know, so you know, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, they all may finish outside the top four. And that gives us a bit of pleasure, doesn't it, as opposition fans to see that. And you know, Thursday nights on Channel Five, and you, know, you play Thursday because you're. Uh, I won't <laughs> fill in the rest of the song, but you know, that, that gives us pleasure as fans, doesn't it? That we're we're successful and they're not. In the same way that it gave United fans pleasure. With the thirty whatever it was years banner, they had an ultra effort. So, so that's certainly a part of it. Because the, the competitive nature, almost brutally competitive nature of the Premier League. You know, you, you get relegated from the Premier League, like Sheffield United have, like West Brom and Fulham are probably going to be, and you lose out a lot of money. So, there's the nature of it. But yeah, it's this concept of a a group of ent- certainly the concept of a group of entitled clubs who feel they're the world owes them a living, basically. You know, Arsenal, who have gone down and down and down in the last few years. Spurs, who've never, who, who've made great play of keeping their, uh, making profits, keeping their wage bill well under control. But really, they've done that at the expense of uh, a regular top four place when one was up for, for grabs. Um, you know, we've seen American owners buy clubs and, and basically mortgage the club's assets um to 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 underpin the transaction you know united and more recently burnley so so i think yeah there's a part of that that part of us that thinks uh, yeah it's a non-competitive 
there's a little bit more than that. It's it's undeserved because there's a great there's a great thing in football, isn't there? Or certainly yeah, that you get what you deserve if you turn up to a game. If we turn up, we turned up uh, for the FA Cup semi final against Chelsea. But well, we didn't turn up and we got what we deserved. So so yeah, there's a great sense in football that you get what you deserve and the table doesn't lie. Uh, you know, to see clubs like Arsenal who have made so many disastrous business decisions um, under an owner who's a billionaire and takes money out but doesn't put money in. The Glazers, we've seen the same thing. So, yeah, it's part of that. And, and, but I think it's, um, it, it's almost, as, as fans, you know, as a, as a match-going fan, you know, I, I, I love the... Pro- I don't want to see City versus Barcelona, City versus Real Madrid, City versus Liverpool, City versus Chelsea every week, week in, week out. Uh, those games are, uh, uh, you know, great games to watch. They're, they're kind of like the icing on the cake of a Premier League season. You know, fans, not not all 40,000 seats season ticket holders, but, you know, quite a few w- want to go to away games like Burnley and, uh, you know, Newcastle and, and games like that, which, uh, you know, there are people who say, the uh, you know, some of these games are meaningless. What's the point of playing these games? Because it's, you know, the, the rich clubs against the poor clubs. What we saw with Leeds... As we saw with Newcastle at Liverpool yesterday, anything can happen in these games. Anything. Mm-hmm. And it happens in La Liga too. Ray, yes. let me ask, Ray, Ray, let me ask you this question. Uh, do you think that, um, you know, until now, uh, Soriano and Caldun have been lionised uh, by the city uh, support for being sharp as a whip? Do you think that they suffer a little bit of reputational damage for you, a naivety in this situation? Looking on social media uh, right now, uh, generally very little. Um, at the time, when it was you know on, on Sunday, Monday, last weekend, they were they were taking a fair bit. But once it you know we we pulled out and others followed, uh, and then the narrative was uh, you know a lot of people were saying you know city, like Colin has said uh, suggested. You know, City went in to, to pull out, to, to embarrass them, to scupper the whole, uh, their ideas, um, to raise their hopes and then dash them. Um, that, you know, is an option. Or, or people said, or oh, City have listened to the fans uh, and that's what, you know, uh, why they've done it. Um, I think, uh, but at that point when we were in it and no signs of pulling, early signs of pulling out, I think they, they were taking it in the neck and you know, I kind of think deservedly so. Um I don't think you make like some of the other clubs have said. They made, they, they, everybody's come out and said they made a misjudgment. They've misunderstood the fans and this and that and the other. But hang on, we were all in Project Big Picture six months ago, and didn't they said something similar? We've misunderstood it, misread the situation. We're sorry, you know. And, and some of those clubs, like Liverpool, like Spurs, uh, furloughed their staff. That's a, that was a massive misjudgment. Liverpool have made three big misjudgments in six months. Um, I think Arsenal got rid of Gunnosaurus, the mascot. I mean, that's how uh, bad things were. While whilst paying Meza um, Ozil three hundred and fifty grand a week not to even sit on the bench, so crazy things uh, are going on. Uh, and so, yeah, our um, you know uh, chief executive and, and chairman would get it in the net. And, uh, but as I said, now that it's kind of you know, it's it's dead in the water. The fans have gone back and and um, they have lionised and they said you know and. I actually think we've got some of the best um, custodians, current custodians around. You know, when you compare them to other clubs like Liverpool, Man United, uh, Chelsea, even because uh, Roman's got that you know that 1.4 billion loan hanging over them, um, and to Spurs and, and Arsenal. 
So we do have some of the best people around. And I'm sure that when they move on, the next set of people won't be as good. I, I, I can gar- I almost guarantee that. You know, we've got China, China Media Capital on 13% of City Football Group. We've got um, Silver Lake on 10% of City Football Group, the American investment company. I mean, that's what they are. They're a, was it a hedge fund investment company. That, they're, they're not in it for the fans. <laughs> you can bet your bottom dollar. They're not in it for the fans. They're in it to make money. That's what these organisations are there for. So you know, we've been very, very lucky. But look, even our guys make mistakes. Everybody makes a mistake. You know, they... I think as well, getting kicked out of the Premier League potentially was a huge, huge uh, um, impact. It would have had a huge impact because, you know, yes, you're getting maybe 300 million from from this, but you're losing your bread and butter. You're losing the money from your own league, which in City's case, I don't know what it would be, 140, 150 million quid? Uh, Uh, More than that. Sorry? Probably closer to 170. Yeah, yeah. okay. So you're losing that to gain, uh, you know, to go up to... All right. Overall, you might be gaining 180 million um, from from the new thing, but you're losing what you're getting in in domestically. Not just the Premier League. Okay, the FA Cup and the League Cup don't give you that much financially, but they're games of football. Um, you you you'll be losing the fans because the fans. I don't. You know, in, maybe in the first couple of years, it'd be really. It would be interesting to have all the big teams coming to. Uh, City Man, uh, well, to the Etihad or whatever it's going to be called in future, but in I think that's Colin said it. You'll you'll get bored. You'll get bored. These are special occasions, special moments to play the really big teams. You don't want to be playing them week in week out because uh, you know it, it will get. I just think it will get boring. You and and the older fans especially will miss going to uh, you know Turf Moor or going to Molyneux or wherever, going to the away games and you know you. English football would lose something that's really important to it. So, uh, I, I, but look, the City, City faithful seem to, at least on social media, have got behind uh, uh, Ferran again and got behind Khaldun. All this talk of ne- never going again, giving up my season ticket and all that, I don't think many, by the signs of things, I, I, I don't think many will give it up because the love of the club is too much and the draw of the club is too much. Even well, though they're that- you know, stabbing you in the back, the draw is still there to go and watch City play. Let, let me just uh, throw this over to Colin. Colin, how much egg is there on Soriano's face? And uh, my second point is, uh, did you get the email? And what did you think of it? How much egg? Well, well it depends on the reason why we went in. Um, if we saw pipe signs in front of our eyes um, and we went in um, on that basis purely, then uh, a lot of egg. Has been a lot of credibility lost. Uh, as Ray said, there may have been a, it may have been a scenario whereby we didn't really want to go in, and certainly the other clubs didn't really want us in. Um, but we felt we had to protect our revenue streams. But I, I, I'm afraid I disagree with that argument. We could have said no. We could have stayed in the Premier League, uh, stayed with the with the revenue stream. We should have had the political nous to understand this would not be a goer. So, and we could have looked so much better. So, yeah, I think we've been left with egg on our faces. I think every, I don't think Soriano took the decision on his own by any stretch of the imagination. I know he didn't. I don't want to go into that particularly, but um, so I wouldn't put, just for once, I wouldn't put the blame totally on Soriano. Um, you know, the owners have to take a share of the blame. The letter, hmm, well, you know, Oh, it's all right saying it, but we weren't consulted. You know, I I represent forty thousand season card holders on the City Matters Committee. No one kept, no one from the club came to me and said, 
what do you think? You know, keep it to yourself, but we're going to do this. Is this a good idea? Because I know what I'd have said. And, and, and you know, they should have known what the fans' reaction was. They don't. T- to me, it was a, an absolute, um, uh, you know, travesty. Know, it, it was a, you know, <laughs> it was a lightning bolt. I'd never, I'd never been under the illusion that the club cares about the fans first and foremost. But to me, it was an apocalyptic moment that really they don't care, they don't give a shit because um, I think a lot of fans would have given up the season tickets. Um, even if this, you know, we can't go to weekend games away. Well, we can, but yeah, you wouldn't go to every weekend game away. I think a lot of fans would boycott their home games. So, so to me, that that begs the next question of, well, what would they have done? You know, would they? Oh, they're used to playing games in empty stadiums at the moment, but would would they have continued to do that in the future uh, and just rake the money in? Did they seriously think Premier League were uh, we're going to have a view on? their future involvement in the Premier League because if they'd had any sort of reasonable legal advice, they would have known that they were breaking a number of Premier League rules because I'm not sure how widely known it is, but the, it, it's the the number the competitions that teams can take part in are set out. So it's the Premier League, it's the UEFA sponsored competition, it's the FA Cup, it's the League Cup, um, one or two others, I think. That's actually a great opportunity to go, to go over to Ray and ask Ray two questions. Ray, question number one, if City had stayed in this, like uh, Real and Barca apparently still are, would you have taken action with regard to your attendance? And question two, um, what do you think about um, Perez's uh, uh, arguments that um, that there are going to be consequences to this and that um in in a side point the premier league and and uefa are going to take action against us for even considering the idea three questions um my season card uh, would have depended a lot on my kids because i you know i pay for their season cards they're you know they're not old enough to go on their own um and my my involvement yeah i i, I would have really i'd have been reluctant to go very reluctant, and the only reason I would have potentially, if it had come in next season, the only reason I would have had a season card was for my kids if they wanted to go. But you know, young kids these days, as Florentine and Perry said, they haven't got an, uh, the attention span to watch a, a ninety-minute game of football. So they might have, they might have knocked it on the head as well. Such a ridiculous argument that <laughs> one. So they might, they might have knocked it on the head as well. So a lot of fans, and it, 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 this is the flip-flop nature of fans. Sunday and Monday great swathes of fans were had wanted nothing to do with going to matches again and they were going to look for other uh, forms of entertainment or other you know and go to watch non-league clubs but by Tuesday Wednesday everybody was back so <laughs> you know <laughs> it's, it's so, so Ray you were never in danger of being an Oldham fan no 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 I wouldn't have done that I mean what I, what would I have done I might have gone watching some non-league uh, football um or gone back to what I used to do and played football on the weekend. You know, even you know, I'm, I'm knocking on. I'm a, I'm a veteran. I might have looked looked at that or got, gone and played some other sport because that's you know how, when I was growing up in my twenties and thirties, I wanted to play. I wanted to play uh, whatever sport and mainly football. And I played the, uh, on on a Saturday. Um, that's why I haven't. I'm not sat here having watched two and a half thousand games. You know, I mean the several hundreds. 
because I used to play a lot um, at, at football at the weekend. So, so are we get, are we going to get sanctioned, Ray? I I I really doubt we'll get sanctioned by the Premier League because the Premier League it's it's an interesting one because I under, the Premier League doesn't really want to sanction the six clubs because that'll just brass everybody off and you know you never know what the the, the big clubs will do to the Premier League. You know they'll be that will sting and they'll you know they'll be worried that they'll try and get their own back on them. But you know Leeds were fined was it two hundred thousand pounds for looking through a a hedge um, another team training if I mean, people are saying if they're fined 200 grand for that how many millions should the big six be fined for what they were doing and, and, and they've got a legitimate argument I think I don't think we'll be fined by them um, and and this new Super League thing would they find try and get some money out of us um, I think our, our guys would say take us to court it'll take so long by the time it, it comes to fruition Barcelona and Real Madrid might be not in existence anymore. Uh, that you know, that vast is their debt. So it, there's a lot going on. And one thing we haven't mentioned as well, some of it is, is is there's a lot of jealousy out there. There's always been a lot of jealousy towards the Premier League because it's the league that gets the most money. And and people are saying, I understand their argument, but it's not an argument. It's we're talking capitalism, boys. Um, and you all signed up for it. That the bottom club in England in the Premier League gets more money for finishing bottom than uh, a lot of winners or, or champions of leagues around Europe. You know, we get more than, let's say, let's say uh, Sheffield United have finished bottom this season. They'll get more than the winners of Holland and um, Belgium probably combined. They'll get more than so many other countries. And if you look at the the the, 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 uh, the Deloitte's table or the, um, the football uh, income table, you know, which... Um, uh, clubs have the most um, money coming in. If you look at the top 20, um, it's probably going to be, I su- suspect, you have about a dozen English clubs in that top 20. And then when you go to the top 30, more, I reckon a lot of the clubs from 20 to 30 uh, will be English. Um, so that, And they're all jealous of that. And then they're jealous of the... Uh, you saw a couple of years ago where they changed the way the TV money was distributed on the in the Champions League. Uh, because it used to be um, because they're jealous of the fact that BT have paid so much for this. They paid so much for this, um, and the English clubs were getting so much more than um, everybody else. Uh, and so they've redistributed it a little bit and put some of that money in a pot, which is shared round. And it's as I said, it's just simply, just simply to squeeze more money for themselves out of what's coming from England. And okay. I'm just going to have a quick look. I mean, you you got your main your big clubs. But here's the top. Here's the top thirty. I'm just going to quickly tell you how who's in the top thirty. Man United are English. They're fourth. Liverpool. This is the last one at uh, 2021 ranking. Liverpool are fifth. City are sixth. Chelsea are eighth. Spurs are ninth. Arsenal eleventh. Okay. Everton seventeenth. Then you've got Leicester, who are twenty second. You've got Crystal Palace, the twenty fifth richest club in 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 Europe. Yeah. West Ham are twenty sixth. Sheffield United. A 28th Sheffield United, 28th on income in Europe. Wolves are 29th. So you've got 12 clubs out of the top 30. And I think that's why they're really unhappy. And it's because every year there's more and more English clubs uh, are in that, uh, those rankings. And, uh, you've got, and that's compared to the rest of Europe. So Europe have got 18 and we've got 12 alone. So there's all that jealousy. They all want, and it's all greed. At the end of the day, they all want more money for themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Well, let's go over to Colin here for a little bit of education and a little bit of opinion. Colin, let me ask you a a two-part, but as Ray uh, suggested before, it could be a three-part question. Um, so the first thing, let's talk about Alexander Seferin. Um, has he grown a pair of balls? Uh, were you surprised about how uh, vitriolic, uh, I, I, I guess even vituperative, that he has been, um, particularly regarding his best mate, uh, Agnelli? And uh, also, Colin, when you're answering that, perhaps you could explain to people what um, UEFA's plans were in order to reform the Champions League uh, in advance of, of this bombshell. Okay, well, let, let me first start by saying, let, let's understand what UEFA is. People talk about UEFA, you know, UEFA tried to get us banned from the Champions League, blah, blah, blah. UEFA is a, a member club, if you like, and, and it has a number of different constituencies. So there's the international side of the game. So obviously UEFA looks after the Germans, the Hollands, the uh, English national team, all the all the national teams in, in Europe. So so they're one vested in. The other is, of course, the clubs. Um, and it, as far as the clubs are concerned, there's a two-tier system, as we already know, w- within that market. So there's the, the old G14, G18 cartel, who think of themselves as the big clubs, and there's the the rest. There's also the national leagues, so the Premier League, La Liga, um, the Italian League, um, Serie A, you know, uh, uh, all those leagues who, who all have their own interests and all have a representation. Uh, and strictly speaking, the clubs are represented by the European Clubs Association who, who nominate uh, people to the uh, executive board. So uh, as a result of this, uh, Agnelli stepped down from the chair of the European Club Association and was replaced by, I um, can't remember, oh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, that fine, outstanding oh. football administrator. <laughs> From the shit pan into the fire. Uh. Absolutely. Oh. You know, it's like, I don't know, it's like you know one of the Cray twins standing down and being replaced by the other. So there's lots of different interests in UEFA is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and the big clubs have always been the ones setting the scene. They've always been the ones setting the agenda. You know, we've seen the threats of breakouts, breakaways before to get, you know, to get changes to the Champions League. Uh, And we've seen it happen again. The big clubs want more of a share of the commercial income, more control over the commercial contract. They want to stream their own games, potentially. That was another thing that was coming from the Super League. So the big clubs are always trying to, uh, you know, make sure the playing field is very much to their advantage. And I think um, Seferin was very fed up of that, certainly. It was the big clubs who were behind our late uh, escapade with financial fair play that led to us being cleared at the court for arbitration. Uh, and, I, and I know that Seferin was very... He's fed up of UEFA being at a constant state of war with itself. You know, with some clubs on one side, some clubs on the other, the national leagues, the, you know, the, the, the international uh, teams... Everyone's fighting everyone. So uh, I do. I do almost pity him. He's got to try and hold that together, like some, um, you know, Tito tried to hold together Yugoslavia. Uh, now, um, so I think this. What, what? One of the good things that has come out of this. There aren't many. It's given him an opportunity potentially to flex his muscles, which I think he's been looking to do for a while. So if he can cut 
some of the clubs that are always in his ear down to size, then he'll be all for that. And he's talking about sanctions, but he's already talking about the ones that signed the contract and the ones that didn't. So, you know, we signed a letter of intent. We didn't sign the contract. Some clubs have signed the contract and repudiated that. How they on with that, I don't know. Some clubs have signed the contract and like, you know, uh, the Japanese soldiers in the jungle, they're holding out to the bitter end. So, so what, what, but it gives him a chance to clean the stables. And I think he's going to take it. So, so, so good luck to him on that. That may be one good thing that comes out. But the criticism of UEFA has always been that it tries to be two things. So it's the regulator, it's the governing body, but it also runs the competitions. And I think you've got to separate those two things. You've got to have a regulator which is truly independent of the competitive element of the sport. So they can make decisions without fear or favour. So I think that's one thing that may come out of this. I can't guarantee it. But I think we'll see a separation between the regulatory side and the playing side. Um, so that's one thing. Um, what was the second bit of the question? I'm sorry, I've gone on for so long. But, um, so, yeah, um, there's already a... Yes, he's talking big. And I think that's what I would have expected under those circumstances. Uh, will there be any sanction? Can, can they impose a sanction? You know, there'll be legal cases going on for years. They'll talk about this. They'll make a lot of noise. There might be a token gesture. But essentially, I think using the same sort of bully boy tactics that the Bayern Munichs and the PSGs and the Uniteds have been using for a long time against him. So mm -hmm. good luck to him on that. Um, be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some dirt to be dished on some of these big clubs uh, and their dealings with the UEFA. But we'll see what happens in the next few weeks and months. Mm -hmm. um, Ray, just um, uh, uh, steering back to you, um, what was your understanding of what Severin had planned before all of this uh, came about? Um, he was um, alleged to be proposing um, a whole bunch of new teams joining the uh, Champions League and well, we, we uh, had this thing on Monday. Are you talking about the one on Monday that was ratified? Uh, right. Where they've gone from it's crazy. They've they've increased it to ten clubs in uh, two leagues. Uh, or is it? Tw well, there's tw twenty. Um, no, they've increased the number of teams. Sorry, um, and they've increased the number of games in the group stage from six to nine. And I think it, we, we're talking about going from something in the region of 125 games to 255. It's a ridiculous wow. number of games uh, to play. Um, and I think the way it works is the top... Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, the, the, a, uh, you'll end up with about 16 teams through. The top eight get through and then the rest, that's it. Teams nine, so it's one big fat league. Then teams nine to 24, so the six teams, 16 teams there, play home and away. Whittle that down to eight. Add them to teams one to eight. You've got 16 teams. You've got your quarterfinals. So they're just finding ways to have more games, trying to... Rent, do you know how they justified that? I don't know how they just... I think they're justifying it to try to get just to get more money in the pot. And then by having a couple of... A few extra teams, you'll get more people uh, who are likely to say yes to it. It's like, it's like FIFA saying, well, you know, we've got 32 teams in the World Cup. I tell you what, we're going to do 64 teams. And when every club's got one... Every association has got one vote, all the little ones are going to say, well, we want to be part of that. And if, if we agree to the status quo, there's only 32, we're not going to qualify. But if there's 64 teams in the World Cup, we might, we, obviously we stand a great chance of qualifying. So we're going to vote for it. So clubs who are going to be given a chance, they're going to vote for this for, for more money. Um, they're looking at the, 
the financial upside rather than the fact that they're going to be killing the players even more. And there's going to be and, and and because they're in the competition, they don't care about the League Cup or stuff in their own uh, in their own leagues. If they suffer, if the FA Cup suffers or the League Cup suffers, they don't care because they're making you know thirty, forty, fifty million quid extra every year. So they don't care about the domestic uh, uh, cup competitions. They're quite happy to to sacrifice them. So there's just it, it, as I said, it all boils down to to the vast amounts of money involved. Uh, and it's it's it'll come back uh, whether we talk about this or not. It will come back in in a, some sort of guys. And the other thing that they did on Monday, because these questions you, you get, you do get <laughs> with the long answers, you do forget some part of the question. But um, the one other thing they did on Monday, they guaranteed two places for teams that don't qualify on merit, and that's using the coefficient. And we've had this coefficient before, where teams are getting more money based upon what, what their past. Successes. So, you know, if AC Milan won the um, European Cup as it was then in the 1960s, they get a little bit extra on the coefficient when it comes out to uh, dishing out money. So they're getting money that's, you could argue, they're not deserving on recent merit. They're not deserving on what they've done in, in the last season or, or let's say over the last five years. They're getting some extra cash for what they did 50 years ago. Ray, are, are you saying that this is a little bit similar to uh Jimmy White and uh, Stephen Hendry being grandfathered into tournaments despite the fact that they haven't been playing well cards. for years well they're getting wild cards and it's based upon you know it's like it's like well, I'm trying to think of an old 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 snooker star Steve Davis okay he's in his 60s now I think he's about 60 it's like bringing him back for what he did in the 80s you say, hey, Steve Davis you were great in the 80s we're going to bring you back, and they're not. Going to, and, and it might be that Stephen Henry doesn't get a look in because he was top dog in the nineties, and they're going back. To, you know, it's it's that kind of wild card, but it's based upon historic performance on the coefficient, I think, and historic performances. And so you could end up with this crazy situation uh, that Manchester United. And and I, if you think about it, if you think stand back and think about it, it's going to make make sure that most of the big clubs are in the tournament. Most of the big clubs will qualify by right. You know, if you look at the, for instance, the Premier League right now, you know, look at the top four. I think Chelsea are there. I think Man City are there. Man United. So they'll qualify by, as of right. You go to Spain, you, you've got Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico. They'll qualify by right. Same in, probably in Germany. I think Dortmund uh, are fifth in knocking on the uh, door to get to make it into the top four. Uh, what will happen is there'll be one or two teams, two or three teams, that won't qualify as of right around Europe. They'll get pushed up. If you look, if you're looking at it now, who's going to get who's going to get those wild card spots? Probably Liverpool and Spurs. Let's let's just say those two get those wild card spots. You know, and and a team that finishes eighth or ninth in its division in its league might not qualify on merit. They might be like Arsenal, miles away. You know, Arsenal uh, sat ninth in the league in the Premier League right now. Okay, they are a massive. They are massive. Uh, Twenty, not thirty-one points behind City. Arsenal are thirty-one points behind City right now. Okay, they might qualify because of what they've done in the past. That just doesn't seem right. Where they sat in ninth position, that's unfair on people like Everton, Spurs, Liverpool are above them. West Ham, who are you know nine points above um, Arsenal, four places higher, knocking on the door for Champions League, and and they get. Ignored for Arsenal for what Arsenal did in the in years gone by. That's just not fair, and that's you know kind of it's 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 semi 
it's kind of like that relegation thing again because you know um, all the most of the big teams will get through and then a couple will will sneak through on this wild card and it's like you can, it's very hard to get relegated from this it's very very difficult i mean who's to say you can't end up with a team that's in the that drops down the tier that gets relegated from its domestic league but still gets through to the champions league because of its historic performances that's just crazy and unfair and unsporting Mm-hmm. Well, let's go over to a section that I'm going to call Colin's Crystal Ball. Colin, how do you think that these matters will be resolved going forward? Or what do you think, even cynically, that well, um, they'll try to square these things off? Uh, I was talking to a um, member of the 1894 group yesterday, and um, they'll be looking for a uh, guarantee from Ferran Soriano that we will not be involved in this again. Now I thought that was naive because he won't he won't say that. The letter says something like uh, it talks about the historic values of the club. Uh, the chairman, board, and staff are completely committed to ensuring that the club continues to contribute meaningfully to the ongoing well-being of both the English and European football pyramids and their associated competition. But you know, there, there's no guarantee that. That, that that falls a little bit short of we will never get involved in a Super League. Um, I, I, and I think, well, I, I'm, I'm 99% sure that if the opportunity presented itself again, you know, next week, they they would take it if it, if, the, the, if the price was right. And what, what's interesting is what, what lessons have been learned from this. I mean, politicians always talk about, yes, uh, lessons being learned, and, and they never seem to learn them, but the interesting thing is what lessons have been learned. And I look at it and, and, and think, well, people doing this, they, they, they rush this forward. They hadn't talked to sponsors. They hadn't talked to fans. They hadn't talked to the broadcasting companies. There, there was a reason to rush into this. Uh, and I suspect it's because some of the clubs are in severe financial difficulties very quickly. But there's lessons they had, lessons they should be learning. I remember reading a quote from someone who said, just because these people are millionaires and billionaires running football clubs doesn't mean they aren't stupid. And you know, what the lesson? One of the lessons they've now learned is if they pull out, if they sorry, if they do this again, um, they will not be in the Premier League. They will not not be in their national leagues, uh, and they won't be in Europe. Obviously, well, they won't be European competition, but they don't care about that. Um, so, so the national leagues will abandon them. They will throw them out. And the Premier League doesn't need to take a vote on that. The Premier League can just do it because it breaks a number of rules. So, mm-hmm. so now they've got to be thinking, OK, well, if we do this again, all this nonsense about we're still going to be in the domestic leagues, that, that's out the window. So they're now going to be looking at it as perhaps 32 teams. Uh, and, and you know, ignoring the fact that I think there was a financial imperative behind this, they should be going... What they will be going away doing, what I suspect they'll be going away doing, is looking at the plans. So they've now got a little bit of time on their hands um, to think this through properly. And what I think will possibly happen is it will. Uh, they'll be looking at 32 clubs or 36 clubs. So they can run. If they know they're not going to be in the domestic leagues, then they'll have to run two, two leagues of 16, two leagues of 18, whatever. So I think they'll be talking to broadcasters. Um I think they'll be talking to sponsors. So, so that's one thing. I think this isn't going to go. This isn't going away. And anyone who thinks City won't get involved in the future, if the, if the terms are right, is deluded. Frankly. Well, that's that. That's going to be my next question for for Ray. 
Ray, is this zombie dead or will it rise again from the from the grave? Look, if they'd offered five hundred million pounds every season and underwritten it for ten years, it would have gone ahead. There's no way the clubs would have pulled out five hundred million for everybody. You know, okay, for the English teams, it's not much more than you know, it's more than some of their turnovers right now. Okay, and then they they'll know they'll get the, some fans. They'll know they get some of the other money coming in. It's simply. The money wasn't the money's eye watering, three hundred million a year, but it wasn't enough. Uh, I think five hundred million guaranteed for ten years, underwritten by a investment bank. It would. Why wouldn't it go ahead? I can't see any reason why it wouldn't go ahead. And as I said earlier, the fans that think by making a noise they make a difference. Sadly, I think they're mistaken, Um, and it's for the reasons of being kicked out of your domestic leagues that uh, and and another that. Um, City and others start to pull out, and then once it's you know once the house of cards, once you pull one card away, everything tumbles down. So it'll come back. And I'm just uh, I was reading about um, Leeds. Leeds are playing Man United today, and they, they kind of you know they talk about this. Uh, this is the um, I think the chief chief executive, a fellow by the name of um, uh, Angus Kinnear. He said whether the collective intent was a genuine move to break away or the acts of playground bullies seeking negotiation leverage at European and domestic level by threatening to take the ball home is irrelevant. The result was a betrayal of every true football supporter. It was a disgrace that managers and players were left to defend the indefensible in front of the media while the owners cowered at home. However, it would be naive to believe the threat has been extinguished forever and we still face European qualification that will be partially based on historical performance and a Premier League where some shareholders still want to abolish the enshrined democratic principle of one member, one vote. This week's battle against elitism may have been won, but the ongoing war needs to be relentlessly and vigorously fought. Well, let's finish off, guys, with some final thoughts. I'm just going to go over to Colin and and just ask him for his final thoughts and comments on this situation. We're obviously... um, putting out this pod before the League Cup final. Uh, but um, I think it's important for, for the two guys here just to uh, to try to just summarise um, their conclusions about this uh, this episode. So, uh, Colin, would it be possible just to, to give a little conclusion to what you've been saying? Yep. OK, so what, what the conclusion? I think that the... Um... The clubs behind this made a big strategic error in the way they way approached this and launched it. Had they been a, a little bit cleverer, it would be a, a fact on the ground now. It, it isn't going away, but I think football, what it might have done, uh, you know, two good things were said. One good thing might be UEFA, might be able to clean up, clear its stables. The other good thing is it might prompt a fundamental think about the governance and the financial aspects of football uh, for the future, which which does make it more sustainable. Now, perhaps that's a bit of a pipe dream, but let's see what happens. And over to Ray. Ray, I I don't know if it's possible, but we're going to ask you anyway. Is there any way that you could give a little conclusion and yeah. uh, uh, you know just a summary of how you feel about the whole thing? Um, summary is, um, it's, however distasteful we as fans think it is with this. Uh, anti-sporting uh, or anti-competitive element of no relegation and, and favoured clubs um, and no matter how much we think we might have had an influence or an impact, I think they'll be back they're looking at this as a setback 
the, the clubs, they're looking at this as a short-term pain. There will be a long-term gain for them. They'll be back at the drawing table. We've seen it before. We'll see it again. And maybe in 10 years' time, you know, football will be very, very different with clubs streaming their own games on their own channels, making huge amounts of money on the back of that. Um, and, and the fans, are the match-going fans, are really an irrelevance. And we might even see some clubs, you know, we might see Manchester City playing in Manchester uh, is that in uh, Massachusetts or wherever it is, uh, or New Hampshire, playing in the States? Because I think they're looking for the next step is to take clubs around the world, take matches around the world yep. uh, to bring in uh, a lot more money. That, that was a comment that someone, someone, that was a comment that someone made to me. They can't do this because the fans won't go with it. To which my response was, they'll find fans somewhere else in the world. Right. Okay. Well, listen, guys, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you're enjoying your trip um, to the League Cup final. Just a quick shout out for for a couple of my mates, which is uh, JB and Presswich Car Repairs. And you've put your photos up there. Prestige. 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 Yes, Prestige. The fellas in Oldham, not um, North Manchester. Yes, that's uh, that, the, those are the two guys, and uh, they're on their way uh, down there. So I hope you have a, a great day, guys. But um, uh, guys, we've done our best to um, to to just take the views of, of of Ray and Colin on this whole situation. We will certainly be back with you after the game in the League Cup final. Let's hope that we win this, and um, let's just uh, thank the two fellas for coming on at such uh, short notice and uh, giving their opinions so uh, you've been listening to ray from city fan tv thank you so much ray for coming on always a pleasure michael and you've also been listening to colin savage that's press which blue on twitter colin thank you so much for coming yeah. on yeah it's been good i mean it's a very emotive subject of course and i say i don't think we've heard the end of it so i'm sure we'll be coming back to Sometime in the not too distant future, we'll we'll certainly be revisiting this topic uh, as the uh, weeks proceed. Guys, thank you so much for uh, staying with us. As I said, we'll be back with you very very shortly after the next game, where we hopefully get to hold a little piece of silverware. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, we'll just stop here and finish in the normal way by saying, "Have one on us, guys, and up the blues." <laughs>